going to be ministering on a part of our series, It's Appointed Unto Men Once to Die, and After That, The Judgment. It's Appointed Unto Men Once to Die, and After That, The Judgment. The part of the series that I'm going to be ministering tonight is the part of what happens after the process that we call death. What happens after the process that we call death? I want to read from the book of Zechariah, chapter 3, and verse 5. He says, And I said, Let them set a fair mitre, that's a headdress or a wrap, upon his head. So they set a fair headdress upon his head, and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, I want to take a look at that word angel for a moment. The word angel there is defined in the Hebrew as a deputy or a messenger. A messenger. Now notice what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 25. He says, I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger. And he that ministered to my wants. Notice that. But your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. The definition, the Hebrew definition of angel goes on and says a messenger specifically of God. That is an angel, also a prophet, a priest, or a teacher. An ambassador, now notice, look look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. In verse 20, he says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That I may I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The definition goes on to say angel or king. Now let's let's look at Revelation chapter five. And verse 10, and has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth or over the earth. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. It's Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. 
On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign, that is, as kings, a thousand years, which we've discussed in another study is eternity. It's eternally. So I'm going to go back and let's, I'm going to define the word angel. That's the Hebrew word malach, and it's a deputy, a messenger specifically of God that is an angel, also a prophet, a priest, a teacher, an ambassador, a king. That's the Hebrew definition of the word angel in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 6. Now let's, an angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge. What's he saying? He's saying to watch. The word charge is watch. Keep my watch. If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my watch. And what Mark chapter... 13, he said, and what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. He's saying to watch. Now, the word watch is defined as to keep awake, to be vigilant, and to be watchful. And it comes from the word that is defined as through the idea of one collecting or through the idea of collecting one's faculties. Watch. Through the idea of collecting one's faculties to waken. That is transitively or intransitively, that is to rouse from sitting or lying now watch this, from disease, from death, from obscurity, from inactivity, ruins or non-existence, to wake or to lift up, to raise up or to raise up again, to stand up and to take up. He goes on in verse 7 and says, If thou will walk in my ways, and if thou will keep my watch, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. What is he saying? If you will keep his watch or to stay active, to keep your faculties sharpened, to stand up and to rise up and to keep going up, then thou shalt also judge my house. Now, let's talk about the word house for a moment. 
In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I and will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Now look, look at this. In my father's house are many mansions. Then thou shalt judge my house. What are you judging? You are judging your physical body. That's the mansion that's in the Father's house. The word mansion is defined as dwelling place. It's a house. Your body is a house. Now, what lives in a house? A family lives in a house. People live in houses, right? You are judging your own house. How are you judging it? You're judging it. By the very revelation that lives inside of you. You're judging it by truth. You're judging it worthy to receive the kingdom. Some people judge it unworthy to receive anything of God. But if you make it, if you make a proper judgment, you will judge it worthy to receive. You're judging that sickness can no longer dwell in that house. You're judging that iniquity can no longer dwell in that house. You're judging all of those things that do offend and cause iniquity. You're judging it right out of your own house. Understand what I'm saying. You're judging your own physical body because he has set you as king to rule over your physical body. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 29. Look at what he says here. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Years and years and years and years and years. We have set in churches that have declared to have the power of God and possess the power of God and to operate in the power of God. And they've got the corner on the market on the power of God, but yet they still stand powerless. Some things happen. You understand that things happen by people's faith. Okay. To demonstrate and to manifest the power of God in a faithless group of people then you have to have something more than a boastful articulation of power. Understand what I'm telling you. They have presented to have power. They've confessed they've got power, but in reality, they don't have enough power to cause a fly to flee because they will not follow after the scripture. They follow the traditions. They follow the organizations. They follow religion. They follow what mommy taught and what daddy taught and what the pastors taught before them. And this is the foundation and core of our beliefs. I was in a church one time that put more value on their statement of faith and core values of the church than they did on the scriptures. If the scriptures contradicted their article of incorporation, then the scriptures got pushed aside and they preached the doctrine of the church. 
ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Because of that type of teaching for years and years and years, we have come to the place where we read the scriptures the way we're taught the scriptures, not the way the scriptures actually read. We accept those things without investigation. We don't define what we're reading. If you don't define what you're reading, you'll never understand the words that you're reading. Listen, you've got to define the words that you're reading. Otherwise, they, they're not going to mean what you think they mean. What they meant back then are not the way we use them today a lot of times. So when you're reading a word, you define the word. Now, used to, you had to go get a big, thick Strong's Concordance, and you'd open, open that Strong's Concordance up, and you would turn to the back, dust would fly everywhere off your table. You'd turn to the back and you'd find the word that you're looking for and the scripture that you're looking for it. And it would give you a number, something like G32. And you'd turn and turn and turn until you came to the number G32. And you would define the word and it would come from a word. So you'd track it down. We don't have to do that anymore. All we have to do is download an app or have a computer or a tablet and move the mouse over the word or touch the number next to the word and it'll define the word. And that's why I hold these preachers today so accountable to what they're preaching because there's no excuse for ignorance. If you can get on Facebook, you can study at a level that you've never been able to study before. Because technology has allowed us to study at an extreme level. And if you don't do that, then you just don't want to know. Okay? If you don't study that way, it's just because you don't want to know. You're content in religion. You're content in tradition. You're content in the situation that you're in. But most of the people that are content in the situation that they're in are only content until the situation enhances and then they're calling us for prayer, wanting us to pray them out of the situation. They err not knowing the scripture nor the power of God. If they had the scripture in them, then they would have the power that's applied with the word. Let's look at verse 30. For in the resurrection... They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Now, the word angels is the Greek word angelos. And it's defined as a messenger, by implication a pastor, and it comes from, it's a compound word, and it comes from the word ago, which means to drive or to go or to induce or to bring or to bring forth or to carry and keep. And it comes from the word That means herd, H-E-R-D, like a herd of cattle. 
So understand what it's saying here. It's literally talking about a person or a pastor who carries the message of the gospel, who carries and brings forth the message of the kingdom. That's what it's talking about. A minister or a witness or a pastor or a messenger. That's that's the definition. Let's look at verse 31. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven, but as touching the resurrection of the dead. Now the word resurrection is defined as a standing up again. A standing up again. It's in relation to the scripture in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 7, that said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt walk in my ways and keep my watch, then shalt thou judge my house and shall keep my courts, and I will give thee place to walk among these that stand by. It's in relation to to watch, to the standing up again. That is a resurrection from death, individual, general, or by implication, its author. Now, look look at the definition here. A moral recovery of spiritual truth. This is the definition of resurrection a moral recovery of spiritual truth or raised to life again, raised from the dead that should rise or rising again, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but the living. And we fail to understand what the resurrection is. Now understand, the resurrection is not one day off in the future for those of you who have been converted. The resurrection is something that for most of you on this call has already happened. It has already happened. We understand that it has happened for Jesus. We understand that he was raised. And we understand that those which slept was raised with him also, some to everlasting life, some to torment and shame. But where we go haywire is when it comes to us and when it comes to the future of us. We've got to come to understand the order of death and how it works. In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the order of death was that when you died, you went into the grave, which was rendered in the King James Bible as hell, 
You went into the grave and you waited. You fell asleep and you waited. There's a reason that sleep was typed to death and death was typed to sleep. And the five virgins slept and slumbered. Okay, there's a reason. Under that covenant, they waited for a better hope. It was prophesied to a better hope. It was preached to a better hope, and they waited for a better hope. And if they died under that covenant, they still waited for a better hope. That's why Jesus had to go into the heart of the earth and lead captivity captive. He preached to the souls that were in captivity in the heart of the earth. Now understand that that was not the core of the earth. That was not the magma in the core of the earth. Okay, he didn't go walking through lava or magma in the core of the earth. He didn't go walking through that saying, I'm going to take you out of here. I'm going to take you out of here, and I'm going to leave the three of you in here. That's not how that went. Understand that they were in the grave. They were asleep in the ground. That's where they were. They were asleep in the ground. And they stayed there until he showed up. And after he showed up, they were let out. And they were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem. They were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem. Now, you have to die to be resurrected. Now, understand, in Romans chapter 6, in verse 3, He says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Look at this. We were buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness, we shall also be also in the likeness of his resurrection. We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We killed the nature of sin. We put it to death. 